Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl G., and I'll be your host for the hour. Today, we're going to be talking about leading effectively across differences. And with us today to help us have this conversation, we have Leslie King, who's a special assistant to the city manager with the city of Lynchburg in Virginia. Thank you Hello. for being with us. It's good to be here. Yes, and then also on the line we have George, and I always mess up your last name, George, Dreyer? Dwyer. Thank you. And George is a graduate student at San Diego State University. George, thank you also for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. And Troy Bell, assistant to the city manager with Beverly Hills City. Thank you, Troy, for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start by just asking each of you just to uh, share a little bit about yourself. Uh, Leslie, why don't we start with you? Okay, well, I am the assistant to the city manager, as you said, in Lynchburg, Virginia, <clears throat> and part of my responsibilities here have been coordinating a community dialogue on race and racism, I'm working with uh, various neighborhood projects, and overseeing the city's uh, recognition and appreciation program and just basically other projects uh, as assigned. I'm also very involved in the community and other community groups, um, and I like to travel. I work out in my spare time, um, and uh, I enjoy uh, bringing people together to uh, come up with um, solutions for complex issues in our community. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Leslie. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. George, uh, want to share a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. Um, as you mentioned, uh, I'm attending uh, graduate school, working on a master's in social work. Uh, I'm uh, entering in my, my second year, getting ready to, uh, to work in the field of HIV-AIDS, either as a uh, therapist and or program manager. Uh, prior to that, I spent 23 years in the U.S. Navy, uh, the last six of which was as a uh, command master chief which is uh, roughly analogous uh, to a vice president of enlisted human capital, uh, leading 250 to uh, 400 person uh, units uh, at the organizational level. Uh, in that uh, context, uh, I had a lot of experience in uh, leading human development programs from service provision to executive level program management um, with an emphasis on um, organizational diversity awareness, employee recognition programs, uh, professional development training, and uh, employee retention. Excellent. Well, George, thank you so much for being with us as well. My pleasure. And Troy, uh, Troy, could you share a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, as you mentioned, I'm currently working as the uh, special assistant to the city manager in Beverly Hills. And uh, prior to um, coming to California for that position, I uh, was working for the mayor's office in Indianapolis developing uh, the charter school program for them. Um, the mayor of Indianapolis was the first mayor to have executive authority to develop charter schools within a city. So uh, it was part of initiating that program and developing the processes and procedures for uh, schools in the city of Indianapolis. Uh, and previous to that, I was in the state of Florida um, serving for the city of Miami uh, Water and Sewer Department as a director there and ultimately as a director at the South Florida Water Management District. Fabulous. 
Well, Dr. G, I would like to add one other thing to my background that I, you know, failed to do after listening to George and Troy. You know, I climbed Mount Everest, <clears throat> and that was a challenging thing to do. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, you for know. having that <laughs> I tell you, they both have some impressive backgrounds, and you do too. Oh well, thank you. And I love the uh, I love the the broad spectrum. We got a little bit of military here, actually a lot of military here, as well as public sector, and I think a lot of experience that Troy brings also from the educational system and um, nonprofit is uh, represented. I'm sure through my service and others uh, relative to what you've done in working with your community groups. So I think we have a a nice uh, pool of perspectives to have this conversation across differences regarding. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So uh, to begin with, uh, Troy, why don't we start with you and I'm going to just ask you, how has the ability to work and lead effectively across differences shown up as a critical skill or need in the public or nonprofit organizations uh, that you've either worked with or have been affiliated with? Well, I think by uh, definition, when you're working in the public sector, whether it's a government, nonprofit, or philanthropy, you're dealing with a broad cross-section of, uh, or you're potentially dealing with a broad cross-section of people coming from different race, ethnic, uh, social economic statuses, um, genders, sexual orientations, and it is critical uh, when you're in that environment uh, to be able to um, to work across those differences. And I think uh, one of the aspects of, of my upbringing, which I feel uh, very grateful for, uh, being an African-American, coming from a mixed-race family, is the opportunity to grow, grow up in the military and be exposed to differences, uh, the vast differences of cultures uh, from different countries. So I had an opportunity to learn how to navigate differences very early on as a child growing up in that environment. And I believe that has been a critical aspect of my leadership capability and working in organizations that um, need to be aware of, embrace, and understand the differences in the communities that they serve. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Great. Appreciate that. Troy, I didn't know you were a military brat. <laughs> I can say that because I'm one, too. <laughs> ah, there you go. Yeah. Common ground. Oh, yes. Okay. Wonderful. Good. How about uh, yourself, George, as it relates to um, just your own experience as to how this topic with regards to the critical skill of um, working effectively across differences yeah, a comment that, that Troy made really resonated with, with me, which is, you know, if you're working in the public sector, mm-hmm. you are working in a multicultural environment. You are working in a diverse environment. And, and I think, um, you know, the decision facing leaders and managers in that environment is, am I going to accept that reality and, and try to develop my competencies in that arena mm-hmm. or keep my head buried in the sand and expect them to adapt to us? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I think different organizations um, set different tones with regard to um, organizational culture expectation uh, that, that folks can work across uh, differences in an organization. Uh, in the Navy, I, I saw the, uh, the challenge uh, reveal itself in, in terms of um, uh, racial differences, in terms of um, uh, uh, leisure styles, communication styles, um, uh, different language orientations, 
uh, when you bring people together from all over the country into one place um, to work together, invariably, you know, there's folks that speak Spanish, English, uh, Tagalog in the Navy. There's a, a lot of Filipino Americans. Um, and, and these issues all present uh, challenges with regard to getting uh, folks to uh, to work together towards a common goal. Mm-hmm. Love that, uh, George, with regards to both of you starting us off. And then, um, George, I love putting the the option out there with regards to, you know, do we acknowledge the differences so that we can begin to leverage and build upon them, or do I pretend like I don't see them? They're kind of like at that blindness stage, and... Um, Therefore, expect everyone else to adapt, and I guess what works works and what doesn't. Well, I have the authority to just kind of keep things status quo, and uh, and we're not maybe leveraging it or um, working effectively across it. So, Les, let me have you jump in and, and give your thoughts on this as well. Well, I think that um, having the ability or the skill to work across differences is important in terms of being able to um, – diffuse conflict that may arise because of those differences. Um, Of course, you can keep the status quo, um, but if there is a conflict or situation that occurs that um, prevents the organization from accomplishing its goals, from meeting the needs of the public, then it's pretty important to be able to um, diffuse that and be aware of what's creating um, that situation. And I know in working in the public sector that um, the new norm, you know, because resources are, um, for lack of a better word, scarce, um, we have to find new and innovative ways of doing what we've done or, um, you know, meeting the needs of the public. So one thing that um, I've seen is partnering with um, public um, the public and private industry as well as community groups in order to accomplish goals and you have competing interests there and being able to navigate that in order to um, come up with some type of plan to move forward. I think it's um, pretty important to be aware of the differences and determine how to move forward when those differences do exist. Mm-hmm. So, And also because of the um, changes in our population demographics, I think it, it forces it's forcing some uh, industries as well as um, the public and nonprofit sectors mm-hmm. to be more proactive in uh, <clears throat> increasing their skill at working across differences. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And uh, love the, again, the, I want to say, underscoring of this skill being essential as it relates to being able to navigate across those differences, but diffusing the conflict uh, in a way that... Um, really allows the conflict to create, you get the better end of that conflict and being able to leverage the benefits that the uh, diverse perspectives that come to the table when you have people who have diverse backgrounds actually bring. So wonderful. Can either of you think of, uh, one might say, an example uh, when you've been part of or when you've witnessed a group or a team that's been unable or unwilling to work effectively across differences and... uh, and, and if you can think of one, maybe describe it just a little bit for us, and then what was the impact? Um, George, anything come to mind for yourself? Sure. Um, since I retired from the Navy, um, a, a big part of my journey has been in the nonprofit sector. I've spent two years either uh, volunteering, interning, uh, or when lucky enough, working in the nonprofit sector. And uh, HIV-AIDS is a particular interest of mine. And I really think it exemplifies some of the challenges that this topic uh, explores because 
uh, although to outsiders HIV-AIDS may look like a monolithic issue, um, within HIV-AIDS there's a lot of demographic issues uh, and a lot of communities of interest uh, that um, on the surface have competing interests. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, HIV-AIDS disproportionately affects people of color. Uh, HIV-AIDS disproportionately uh, affects uh, gay or men who have sex uh, with men. Um, and, and so sometimes um, in a, in a resource-constrained environment, some of the differences um, can unfortunately get exaggerated. Uh, I think if people um, fail to see the, uh, the common interest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you, George. Um, Leslie, anything you'd like to add? Well, um, I can think of an experience here in our community. Um, We implemented study circles in order to address issues concerning um, race and racism. We had over a 1,000 people involved in those conversations, small groups of uh, study circles that met for six consecutive weeks, and each participant shared their story and their perspective. Um, and then from there, those study circles, they created ideas or action ideas on what could be done to address uh, racism within our community. So as a result of those ideas, we had these action groups that form with various participants from the um, 50 or so study circles. Well, what we quickly found was that some members in the group wanted to continue the conversation and some members in that group wanted to just get to work. So they wanted to start a plan, create the plan, and um, start working toward that plan. Um, and for many, um, what they said was, well, we already had a conversation. We don't need to talk about um, you know, race or racism any further. Right. What we need That's to do is start. Put a a um, comma right there. It looks like we need to take a commercial break. We'll okay. come back and hear... Uh, the rest of your experience, ask Troy if he has an experience there, and then begin to look at the other side of that coin as it relates to how does the effectiveness impact outcomes and what might be some factors that can lead to that effectiveness. We're going to take a break and then be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are there any challenges to your success? You already have what it takes to turn these challenges into results in any area. Find out more when you tune in to The Power of Realism, Why Integrity Matters, with host Jeffrey Canavan. We all deal with adversity and challenges in life and business. We'll talk with those individuals who have faced these challenges and turned them into success stories. By making just a few shifts in your thinking, you too can be one of these success stories. The Power of Realism airs live on Thursdays at 10 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association 
Mission of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about leading effectively across differences. And helping us have this conversation today, we have Leslie King, Special Assistant to the City Manager with the City of Lynchburg, Virginia. Hello. Thank you, Leslie. George Dwyer, who's a um, retired. And, George, you said you're retired from which branch of the military? Navy. From the Navy. I should have known that being in San Diego, huh? (laughs) And he's also a graduate student here at San Diego State University. Thanks again for joining us, George. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. And Troy Bell, who's special assistant to the city manager with the city of Beverly Hills. Thank you, Troy. Glad to be here. Mm -hmm. Leslie, before we went to break, you were sharing. I'm happy to just kind of pick up your story. All right. I was um, trying to share about our experience here in Lynchburg with our community dialogue and um, our study circle dialogue groups moving to action and creating these action groups and the conflict that arose um, because some members of the groups wanted to just go ahead and do something um, to address race and racism and other members wanted to continue to share their story. And what we what quickly was found or observed was that there was a racial difference there in between those who wanted to share the story and those who wanted to just move on and plan. And so um, basically the um, African Americans that were a part of the group um, wanted to share their experience um, in these action groups and um, the members of the white um, group that were in these groups, they wanted to go ahead and get ready to do some work. They wanted to do the work and they felt. And what happened as a result of that is that some people left the group because they felt like we, the groups weren't moving fast enough and um, and some members stayed in the groups. And what we learned is that you have to incorporate both. 
in order to find that common ground. So the opportunity to share that those stories and that connectedness that comes from sharing those stories and also working together toward change, that it's not so easy just to bring a group of people together um, with different backgrounds and different experiences, but it's important to also have the connection or that relationship as the basis or the foundation for moving together mm-hmm. um, for change. Actually, that's a wonderful story, and as you're kind of sharing that story, one would even think that they had different needs that were being met by sharing those stories because I would imagine for some there was a healing process taking place as they went through and shared their various narratives. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you. Troy, how about yourself? Well, uh, several thoughts come to mind, but I think the one that's most poignant in my memory um, I'll share with you is uh, in my last uh, years of, of uh, undergraduate, I worked as a police officer in, in Miami. And that was a time uh, when a debate began about English as the official language. And uh, the community was uh, virtually divided in half as to whether or not um, the large influx of Cuban Americans in the Miami community should be uh, uh, more aggressive in their efforts to learn English or whether or not the government, uh, the local government, city and county, was responsible for uh, providing services, uh, whether it be literature or um, uh, uh, person-to-person services that accommodated the uh, Spanish language. And, uh, and I appreciate the fact that George brought up uh, language differences in, in, in one of his opening remarks, because I think that's a critical issue to acknowledge. And, in this situation, there was that divide where um, there were aspects of both arguments which were uh, valuable, uh, uh, valuable to the overall conversation. But what was intractable about the situation is neither side wanted to look at other ways to find solutions to this issue. It's either one way or the other. You either had to learn English or you had to learn Spanish. There was nothing, no in between. Right. And what was the impact of that, Troy? Well, ultimately, a dialogue uh, began very slowly and uh, caught on that, uh, in fact, they were both right. But in order for us to create a broader community and a successful community, it was incumbent on both sides to learn the other's language. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you make the effort, if you're English-speaking, you make the effort to learn Spanish. And if you're Spanish-speaking, you make the effort to learn English because there is no law that says one or the other, at least not currently and not in the uh, city of Miami or the state, Mm -hmm. that uh, once you make that effort, uh, each side is willing to take a step in the right direction, a step towards the other side. Mm -hmm. And that creates a sense of community that allowed uh, the community overall to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that step forward is such a symbolic uh, piece with regards to when we think about just um, the debates that come about. Debate in and of itself creates like a tug-of-war of ideas, and in that tug-of-war of ideas, the more we pull apart, then the more tension comes up. But as you're saying, Troy, when you take a step forward and you try to understand the other side, just like with a tug-of-war, the slack comes out the rope, and very often that slack comes out the communication, and you have less tension. And one can see then that there can be some progress um, once we relieve some of the tension and begin to walk, walk toward each other with greater understanding. Appreciate that. That is a fabulous uh, metaphor. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. You know, and, and I think that, that um, 
I wanted you to share what didn't work because I think that very often having examples of when the um, when we haven't been able to or when we have situations where they haven't been able to bridge differences, there's lessons, that, like Leslie said, and, and her situation, as each of you pointed out in your situation, that we can learn from, gosh, just reflecting on what didn't work and why didn't it work and what was the impact of that, and then flipping that coin around, also examining what has worked. When have we actually worked with groups where it has been successful and then being able to examine what helped to make it successful. Any thoughts with regards to, if if either of you can think of a situation where a group has been effective and what helped them to bridge the differences to achieve the desired outcome? Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is Leslie. I can think of... Groups that I've been a part of, and there have been different perspectives and uh, people that are from different um, social groups a part of that. And there are several factors that I can see that may have contributed to um, the effectiveness of that. And one, I think there is a value that the process is equally as important as the outcome, meaning people are important. And I think that has to be a core value when looking at differences. It's not just about coming up with some type of plan in the end, but it's how that plan, how you, how the process in developing that plan, mm-hmm. who's left out, whose voice is heard, and whose voice isn't heard. Mm-hmm. I think I've also found that there's an openness to learning about others, the learning about other people's perspectives. And um, because if I don't know about you, why would I care to um, engage with you um, or even to to work across differences effectively? And I think that's an important aspect is to that connectedness and learning about other people and having empathy um, and listening to someone else's perspective. I think it's also helped. Uh, being a part of a group where the rules of engagement or the guidelines were developed by everyone that's involved in the group um, in order to reduce the power or equalize power and not to perpetuate um, you know, a certain privilege that some in that group may may have and others may not have, but to kind of equalize it where everyone has an opportunity to um, be heard in that particular group. So those are some of the um, factors that I've seen that have been effective in working across differences. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's just really important to take the time to inquire and learn about others. And in that process, we then learn about ourselves Mm -hmm. as we are reflective in that. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Great. Thank you, Leslie. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts with regards to even sharing an example and what you abstract as the learnings from that example? Yeah, I could uh, offer an, oh, offer yeah, an example. It looks like we're actually and, and ready for a break again. So <laughs> I am sorry. I'm going to have to put a pause in it, and when we come back, I'll ask you to pick up. Is that George? Yeah. Okay, great, George. And then we'll also give you an opportunity to respond, Troy. We're going to take a brief break and be right back with more on Leadership Matter. Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific time on the voice america business channel from the boardroom to you voice america business network listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, talking about leading effectively across differences. We have on the line Leslie King, Special Assistant to the City Manager with the City of Lynchburg, Virginia, George mm-hmm. Dwyer, graduate student with San Diego State University and also retired uh, from the uh, U.S. Uh, Navy. And then also we have with us Troy Bell, who's Special Assistant to the City Manager with the City of Beverly Hills. And I believe... Uh, Valerie Wright, our associate uh, producer, has also joined us. Is that right, Valerie? Yes. Good afternoon, Dr. G. Good afternoon. We're going to actually allow uh, George to continue his thoughts that he had before we went to break. Troy, give you an opportunity also just to respond to some tips and um, thoughts that maybe came up relative to an experience that was effective in um, seeing groups work effectively across differences. And then, Valerie, I know you have some questions that have been emailed in. We'll give you an opportunity to um, share those with us so that our listening audience can hear responses. Okay. So, George, let's continue with you. Sure. I, I was, uh, I was uh, talking about how I had seen so much of what Leslie had described uh, in successful organizations time and time again, the valuation of people and process, openness to learning about others, uh, and the way in which uh, equalizing um, uh, some power dynamics uh, catalyzes uh, motivation and engagement on the, on the part of the workforce. Uh, in the early 2000s, uh, the command leadership team that I was a part of uh, had a pretty tough challenge, which was to uh, lead a crew in uh, an experimental program called C-SWAP, in which a, a Navy destroyer is left in the Arabian Gulf, uh, and crews decommission their old ships and rotate out there and, um, and then staff that ship um, for six months at a time before turning it over to uh, another uh, another crew. The experimental idea because uh, 
there's a lot of ownership issues. I, I think that's something that leaders and managers struggle with anywhere. And um, our team had, had great success with it, and I think it was because of the way in which the, the, uh, the CO and the XO uh, led a command environment of trust and credibility, two things which uh, I really learned a lot about from Dr. G, um, and which I think that if uh, anybody who's looking at to, uh, to rocket boost their leadership performance, focusing on trust and credibility is, uh, is some of the more crucial issues. Uh, if, if your people trust uh, that you have their best interests at heart and, and, and you have the credibility uh, that, uh, that you get them, uh, to use Dr. Chi's terms, um, a, a lot of the challenges uh, of leading a diverse organization, uh, I find, become a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Great. Thank you, George, for sharing that. Troy, anything you'd like to add? Sure, uh, I'll share an experience um, that I had as a young engineer um, back in Miami when I uh, first position that I took uh, a management or leadership role in uh, was developing a wastewater treatment plant um, uh, on a three-square-mile area. And uh, what I learned very quickly um, in that process is there were very three—I mean, there were three very distinct classes that uh, were involved in this process. You had the engineers that uh, designed it, uh, you had the contractors or the construction workers that built it, and then you had the operators uh, that ultimately were responsible for operating the facility. And although it was fairly obvious to me, um, the differences between those groups created an environment where they were unwilling or uh, they did not see the value in uh, working together. And to piggyback on uh, what George was saying, there was a lack of trust and a lack of credibility. Uh, and those social classes, uh, or, or I should say um, those uh, work classes that were created around those three different groups, prevented them from trusting each other and created an environment where there was a lack of credibility. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my experience was... Um, around trying to bring those three groups together and get them to understand that even though there were differences between them and they felt like one was better than the other, that if they did not work together, if they did not bridge those gaps, they did not create trust between those three groups, the overall project would fail. Yes, and I think that that's such a key piece, Troy, in so many instances is helping or helping um, individuals, um, helping groups really understand what's the greater goal and having that greater goal uh, be the goal and really be the focus. Uh, you know, what is the win-win that we can all get if we continue the partnership? Whereas when we lose focus, <clears throat> excuse me, then um, on that partnership or on that goal of trying to create um, a win-win that's, that is going to be um, better for everyone or achieve that greater goal, then that's when the polarization and all the smaller agendas can really um, create huge stumbling blocks. Right, and if I could add to that, mm-hmm. um, it's a matter of creating that vision mm-hmm. that uh, values each of those individuals that are parts of those, that feel that they are parts of those distinct groups mm-hmm. so that they understand that they have a valuable um, contribution to that o- overall vision. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Troy, I think that is just absolutely um, an excellent underscore with regards to creating a shared vision that everyone can see, you know, their their piece of, um, one might say, the you know, what it is they're striving for in. So I think that share, creating that shared vision is indeed um, essential in this process. Uh, Valerie. Yes. You're on the line. You have a couple of emails from listening, from listeners, I should say. I do. I have a um, question from Wallace in Washington, D.C. Okay. And Wallace states, I am a part of a highly technical work group with about six different ethnic groups. It is difficult remembering what is the right thing to say or do, which he has in quotes, for the right group. It's confusing, and I feel overwhelmed trying to function and be a team player. I don't think my supervisor handles the group well. What can I do to improve my understanding and how to work better within the group? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Valerie, and thank you, Wallace, for sending in that question. Um, Anyone want to take a stab at that? I'd I'd love to jump in on that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Wallace, the, the... Lesson learned the hard way. Um, talk less, listen more. Wonderful. Excellent. Any other thoughts? I'd just echo um, what George just said. It's, in, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's important to listen and ask. Mm-hmm. You know, ask mm-hmm. an, an individual what they would like to be called if you're not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that may alleviate some of the apprehension there is just to ask the person and I would say that we're all individuals and thereby we all have to interact with each other or we interact with each other differently so rather than just looking at um, the people that are part of your team um, as groups they are also individuals as well so take the time to get to know them um, as individuals um, would also help Great. And I think underscoring what George said earlier about trust and credibility, both go to the heart of what he's talking about now, and that is listening. Because when we listen to where others are coming from, through the through that listening, we encourage them to continue to share. And as they continue to share, we're building the trust because of the acceptance that our listening demonstrates. Additionally, we're building the credibility because the best way for people to understand that we understand where they're coming from is to listen. Plus, we're positioning ourselves to better understand, and then we can figure out, you know, how do we help make things better for them and begin to partner in a way that creates a win-win for them and us. So I think right on, George, uh, with regards to the listening. Anything you'd like to add, Troy? Sure. Um, I think one aspect of answering this question is a distinction between uh, managing the relationships and being a leader in those relationships. Mm-hmm. And... Um, if you are choosing to be a, a leader in those relationships, then that is a requirement that uh, that comes with the need to go one step beyond just trying to be functional in the group, and that is uh, a necessity to um, look at investing in all of the people who are members of that team. That means, and what I mean by investing, it means getting to know them uh, for who they are and what they're. Uh, values are and what motivates them, what's important to them, not uh, because you care about them and because you are 
looking to go beyond just the basic level of managing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you take that approach and you're sincere about wanting to invest in those relationships, regardless of whether or not you make those uh, mistakes, you've created you you have an opportunity to create that trust and create that credibility that we've been talking about that will allow you to navigate those mishaps mm-hmm. um, and be able to move beyond them in the interest of everybody that's involved in the team. Mm-hmm. Great. Valerie, did you have another question you'd like for us to respond to? Yes, I have a question from Veronica, who's in Georgia. And Veronica says, I am a new manager in a department of 12 people. I have been in the position for about two months and feel like I need to do something to improve the relationships among my team members. There are no visible tensions, but people are not working together, and I suspect that there are some diversity issues. What are some ideas I can use for bringing them together? Okay. Who would like to take a stab at that? I could uh, take a stab at that. Thank you. Um, the, um, you know, Troy talked about the vision, uh, and I think that uh, Veronica's question really uh, speaks to, to the issue of vision uh, as it pertains to, uh, to organizational culture. You know, if there's a culture of trust and a culture of, of being supportive uh, to each other, uh, I think that can make a big difference. Um, wrapping one's hands wrapping one's mind around issues of organizational culture can, can be a little difficult. It can be a little intangible. Um, but uh, as, if Veronica is, is demonstrating the sort of behaviors uh, that she expects in her uh, direct reports, I think that would be a great start towards uh, improving the relationships among those team members. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know, we've, uh, Dr. G, you, uh, you talked about greater goals and win-win situations. Uh, I, I'm, I, I, it's been my experience that superordinate goals, uh, something that transcends differences, which speaks to why the organization exists or why Veronica's department exists, um, that that has unifying power. Mm-hmm. Um, and if her organization is like most others in which they have more requirements and they have resources to meet them, there's not a lot of time mm-hmm. or energy or resources to be wasted on uh, things that don't support the achievement of superordinate goals, uh, finding those win-wins that are mutual self-interest, um, and I would suggest focusing on, on those. Great. Yeah, you know, what comes to mind for me also um, is just an activity that could be helpful would be taking them through some type of appreciative inquiry process where they identify, you know, what are our strengths, what if we what are um, the things that we do well, and then what's the next level of effectiveness for us as a team in achieving that greater goal or whatever the goal of the organization is that they're supporting. And I think creating some dialogue and ensuring that as that conversation is held, that it's with an inclusive culture. In other words, everyone feels that they can comfortably contribute and that they're invited to contribute to that conversation about, you know, strengths as well as um, the next level of effectiveness and then kind of brainstorming how do we get there um, wow. and moving into, to, you know, maybe some ownership of, of uh, each person relative to whatever solutions get generated so that she begins to, uh, Veronica, maybe creating some type of project or some type of collective effort um, also might create some um, interaction that could be helpful in helping them feel a greater sense of teamness. Right, and I was just going to suggest also along those lines, Dr. G., 
the possibility of doing a retreat, if that's possible, with her staff or incorporating part of the appreciative inquiry into meetings with the staff um, Mm -hmm. to get to know each other. And in that process, as you talked about, the inclusive and a safe environment where um, the staff can speak freely without fear of uh, something happening to them in that in that space. Mm-hmm. Great, thank you, Troy. Any thoughts that you'd like to add? I I think uh, everybody's covered it fairly well. Um, Great. I, I well, we're going to take a uh, brief break, and then we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters. I want to ask you with regards to your thoughts on what our president has done well. I think this is a huge uh, challenge that we're seeing at the national level. What has he done well, and is there anything else you might suggest? We're going to take, again, a short break. Be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. When you are trying to establish your financial plan, there are all sorts of variables that you'll need to take into consideration, from the ever-changing economy and markets to investment risk and your own financial needs. How do you manage all of it to find a plan that'll work for you? Tune in to the Insightful Investor with Bob Pugh. We'll help you iron it all out to help you stick to a financial plan with the knowledge that you need. The Insightful Investor is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time right here on the bottom line in business talk voice america business when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Before we went to break, I said I was going to ask um, each of you when we came back or whoever would like to respond, you know, our um, 
nation's president, President Barack Obama, has had just incredible differences uh, that he's, he's had to bridge and try to navigate across and lead across. Wondered what your thoughts are with regards to what he's done well um, in um, in that effort. Well, I, I would say that um, he's shown considerable poise and uh, intelligence um, as the uh, leader of our country and uh, trying to bring together all of the uh, sides of the issue and manage to develop some sort of consensus in an environment where there are particular groups who uh, seem to be uh, bent on ensuring that there is no consensus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's uh, worked in incredibly well with the, with the worst possible hand that you could probably be dealt as a president, a president of the United States. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. One criticism that I would lobby is that uh, uh, his efforts in the, in the housing uh, market have been a little bit slim, and I've always been an advocate of the concept of uh, the uh, foreclosure um, amnesty, which would give uh, amnesty to the group of people that uh, received foreclosures in the beginning of the crisis, um, and that would be a simple uh, measure that wouldn't cost the government anything that would reintroduce hundreds of thousands of people into the housing market who are no longer capable of uh, qualifying for a mortgage because of that default. Okay. Good. And thank you, Troy. Any other thoughts with regards to what has been modeled well by our president as relates to leading effectively across differences? Any thoughts from George or Leslie? Yeah. I think think President Obama has, has really been a standout in terms of being able to articulate a vision. And I think that's such a, a, a critical, um, critical thing to accomplish with, with so many competing, uh, competing interests. Um, mm-hmm. and, and while I don't think anybody argues with the vision, my, my concern in, in terms of how it goes about implementing it is, uh, at the risk of being cynical, I just can't help wondering if he's underestimating the opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, like Troy, I, I admire his poison and his intelligence in terms of uh, how he deals with the, uh, the multitude of differences. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. uh, I'm, I'm, as a social work student, I'm schooled in a form of community organizing called consensus organizing, uh, developed by, uh, by a, a now San Diegan by the name of Michael Eichler. Uh, and it involves trying to find mutual self-interest. Uh, and I and I appreciate uh, what appears to be uh, the president's uh, consensus uh, approach, okay. but at the same time, I, I look at at the results it's produced, and and I wish it had produced more. And then I look back on how um, President Lyndon Johnson, um, through his weight behind the scenes and and a fairly hardball approach to uh, ensuring that things like the Voting Rights Act uh, got passed. The, uh, the Civil Rights Act of 1968, um, boy, that, that, you know, there was a lot of fastball pitches thrown in the games to get that, that legislation approved. Right. And, I'm gonna, and I can't help wondering if, uh, if, a, um, if harder tactics are required to achieve what's in the best interest of most Americans. Okay. Leslie, let me give you a stab, and I know we're wrapping fast because we only have a we have shorter mm-hmm. period of time in this particular segment. Well, I really don't have anything additional to add. I think George and Troy both um, echoed my sentiments. I appreciate the president's 
intelligence, intelligence, his ability to um, convene groups, and he definitely is a listener. I would say that <clears throat> I think it would be helpful if he um, would communicate his non-negotiables, some of his non-negotiables, and some of those to be able to not give in. Um, but I, I understand that in the political environment that he's working in, that that's difficult. Um, okay. But ultimately, I think that he has been effective at working across differences. Okay, very good. And I think um, I think some of you've woven in what I was going to ask you next, and that was what else could he do. I want to also just probably echo um, what I would call his above-the-line approach relative to um, really communicating empathy and demonstrating empathy and trying to understand others' perspectives and kind of stepping back and taking others' worlds into consideration while, as George said, staying focused on and always articulating that greater vision, but seeing what he can do to try to move people forward, um, ease their condition, and still partner for that win-win. So I think he's a great um, demonstration of someone who actually has led across differences in a way that was poised in, one might say, staying above the line in how he goes about doing it. And it'll be interesting just to see what happens as he continues to uh, certainly have that challenge. Any um, final thoughts from either of you with regards to what our uh, leaders can do, those in the public and any sector, really, to work effectively and lead effectively across differences. Final thought or word from uh, each of you, just a, just a phrase. Why don't we start with yourself, um, Troy? Uh, I think the key is in, embrace, acknowledging the differences and embracing them as uh, our strength. Wonderful. Uh, George, I think, final I think thought. Uh, insecurity uh, is something that folks bring to the table when you have uh, diverse constituencies. And uh, I think one of the most important things a leader can do to uh, to drive performance and make a great work environment is to address the elephant in the room, that there are differences, we acknowledge the differences, and we value the differences in, uh, in tangible ways. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said earlier with regards to finding also then what is the common vision, though, among that. Leslie, let's throw it over to you. Final thought. Well, um, just to end, like we started, uh, the skill of working across differences is a critical one, especially in the environment that we're working in. It's important to not only say that we value difference, but to demonstrate that we value difference by learning about um, the people that we're working with and learning about their perspective and engaging on another level level other than just a business level. I think... um, it's a critical skill that we all need to continue to develop, and it's not necessarily a linear process. Mm-hmm. It's okay. not necessarily a one plus one equals two mm-hmm. that you have to sometimes learn as you go and okay. be committed to the process of working right. Wonderful. differences and even I, when there are challenges. Exactly. And I, and I just want to offer another um, just concrete thing for our leaders to think about, and that is creating space for understanding, really setting the stage for um, dialogue, moving from that dialogue to brainstorming options, and then moving to seeking closure with regards to getting to the debate and trying not to start with debate. When we start with debate, we're such less, much more less likely to come up with an opportunity for win-wins. 
So it sounds like we actually need to push sooner than I'd like to closure here. I think this has been a fabulous conversation. I'd love to hear more on it. Valerie, you might have to plan to do a um, second segment. Okay, yes. <laughs> but I'm going to really uh, thank each of you for being on the line and thank our listening audience for tuning in. Please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.